good to be here this morning. Happy New Year. We said, I never know. Do you put the S on the end of that or do you not? Is it Happy New Year's or New Year? I don't know. Someone can explain. You got an English teacher in here? I don't know. But Happy New Year or years, whatever you want to say. Uh, 2022, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, let me just pray and then we're going to jump into the message today. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for all that's taken place so far this morning, God. Um, Lord, just as that, as that video uh, reminded us, Lord, uh, it's, not the, it's not the baptism of the water that does the saving, Jesus. It's only by what you've done, but just what an awesome, awesome moment to go public with that and say, you know, I am living for Jesus. Uh, as we just saying that I'm making you, uh, I'm recognizing you, you are the cornerstone. Uh, but in my life, I want to put nothing else uh, first or nothing else above you. So God, we just thank you for all that's taken place so far this morning. Uh, we think we, we just ask you to bless all the ministry that's happening throughout this building this morning. Uh, Lord, and I just pray for uh, the words that I'm about to speak, God, that they would, um, they would be true to your word, God, uh, that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit uh, would just speak to hearts and lives this morning, Lord, and that we would walk out uh, just knowing how you're trying or how you're wanting to transform us, uh, and Lord, that we would be transformed uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, so, God, we love you, and we just pray these things in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Have you ever been lost? All right. Uh, so, have you ever been lost? Did you, did you intend to get lost? No, right? No one sets out to get lost. Uh, wives, you may feel like your, your, your husbands do that because they refuse to ask for directions, right? But you don't set out to get lost. Uh, I was driving back from Jackson uh, one time, and uh, as I was driving back, I was, uh, I was driving, my, my cousin uh, was sitting in the passenger seat, and we had someone behind us, and I've made that trip uh, dozens of times, uh, so I don't need directions, I, you know, I just go on autopilot, it's a, like a quick trip back to Jackson, it was night, well, me and my cousin, uh, as you know, I, I tend, to, tend to talk, uh, we're both talkers, we're just talking, 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 uh, all of a sudden, from the back seat, we hear uh, Boudreaux, so this isn't a joke, his, his last name is really Boudreaux, Stephen Boudreaux, he says, he says uh, hey guys, where are we? And we stop, me and my cousin just look at each other, I don't know, where are we? Uh, and so we quickly realize we are not where we thought we wanted to be, uh, and we don't know where we're at. Uh, and so we obviously have to pull over. We had to, uh, you know, we were actually in a place where cell phone service wasn't great. So it's like, hey, who, whose map, whose Google Maps is working? Uh, it took us quite a bit to get back. We were way far off. We just missed one, uh, one turn, uh, but we were way off track where we were intending uh, to be. Uh, and it wasn't until someone in the back seat brought our attention to that that we realized, man, I'm off track. We are not where we wanted to be. We are lost. Uh, and without that, without that voice, we, we would have kept on going. And, and, and uh, we were heading in a southern direction, so I guess we would have ended up on the coast eventually. But, but it, was, it was someone being able to bring that to our attention uh, to make us realize, hey, you're not where you think you are. Uh, and so what are the spiritual implications of that? Uh, I want to read a, read a quote from a book. Uh, the book is called, I really recommend this book. It's called Rediscovering Holiness by J.I. Packer. Uh, I'd rec really, really recommend just about anything by that author. But he says this. He says, Christians today can imagine themselves to be strong, healthy, and holy 
when in fact they're actually weak, sick, and sinful in ways that are noticeable not just to their heavenly Father, but also to their fellow believers. But pride and complacency, however, blind us to this reality. We decline to be told when we are slipping. Thinking we stand, we set ourselves up to fall, and predictably, alas, we do fall. If we're not aware of our spiritual health, if we're not regularly checking in, how am I growing? What is God doing in my life? I think that quote speaks to that, that we can very quickly think we're something we're not, and we can maybe end up somewhere we never intended to be. Uh, you know, I, much of my 20s, I really wandered away from God, and I, I did end up places that I never thought I would be, uh, in, in every sense of that word. Uh, and it wasn't just a, a, a light switch, it was a kind of a, that slow, gradual fade. And, and maybe you can uh, relate to that, that very, very rarely does something just change like that, that it's this slow fade, and because we're not doing those regular check-ins, we end up somewhere that we really did not intend to be. And so really the kind of the root of all that uh, is, is what, what the author talks about here is, is complacency, spiritual complacency. Uh, and I would go far as far to say I think spiritual complacency is a sin uh, because it, may, it's, it keep, oftentimes when we're complacent, when we're not aware of, of what we're doing, then that means that we're not actively pursuing God. It means that we're allowing other things to kind of get in between us and God. And ultimately, that's idolatry. And so I think complacency, maybe in and of, it, of itself, is not a sin, but it is, it is oftentimes what leads to us not putting Jesus on the throne of our life. You know, I've, I've heard things kind of like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as good as I'm going to get. A guy can just kind of take it or leave it. Uh, that's not scriptural. <laughs> that is not scriptural. Uh, you know, I'm good enough. It's, it's like, like, good enough ain't good enough. God doesn't call us to just be good enough believers. He wants us to continually grow and follow after him. And so, as we talk about this morning, as Nathan said, we're going to end up in 2 Thessalonians, and that's really what, what kind of sparked uh, the, the message for today. But as I began digging and looking, I feel like we need to cover some ground before we get to that passage uh, and so we're going to do that. And what we're going to do this morning, I hope to kind of present a case, so to say, of why we need to regularly spiritually or evaluate our spiritual health. Why we need to regularly evaluate. You know, we evaluate progress all the time. Uh, you know, at, at the gym, we like to say, we go to the gym one time and then we look in the mirror. Like, am I, it's like, it doesn't happen that quick, right? Uh, lots, of, lots of New Year's resolutions. Uh, but it doesn't happen just like that. But we evaluate things. At our jobs, maybe we have a year-end evaluation. I remember in school, uh, you know, you have your report cards, but in, in between you have your progress reports. Uh, if you invest in the stock market, maybe multiple times a day, you're looking, hey, how are my stocks doing? Uh, some days uh, you want to, like, just not look at it for a few days. because It's just so depressing, maybe. Uh, but we evaluate things, and, and I'm concerned, y'all, because I'm not sure how often... In the church, we evaluate our spiritual growth. And I think that can be seen, and there's so many statistics that talk about how even people that, that would refer to themselves uh, as regular churchgoers or even Christians spend no time in the Word. 
It's a Sunday morning activity, and God has called us to so much more than that. We are called to say, God, how are we doing? And so before we look at some of these questions about this idea of am I growing, how am I growing, uh, how am I evaluating myself, I just want to make clear that it's not our, our relationship with God, spiritual growth, is not about how much I can do. It's only through the power, first, of the, the, the work that Jesus has finished on the cross. But the only way that Jesse can spiritually grow is through the Holy Spirit working in me. I'm not, I'm not none of us are a good person. You know, that's a common thing out there. What about good people? If we look at God's word, there's no such thing as a good person. Now, can people do some good things? Absolutely. But, but I, it is, anything that is, that is God-honoring in my life is not because of Jesse. It's because of the Holy Spirit working in me. And the same thing is true for you. However, our role is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Our role is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not going to read any of these, but if you're taking notes and you want to write these down, uh, there's at least seven times in the New Testament that we're told to make every effort uh, to grow spiritually. It, that, ter- that term, make every effort. Uh, in Luke 13.24, uh, Romans 14.19, Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 3, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Hebrews 4.11 and 12, verse 14, and then 2 Peter 3.14. There are some good references to go back and, and understand that we have an active role in spiritual growth. It is only the Holy Spirit working in us, but it, we have to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so we're going to look at really kind of four questions today. And the first is, so then why is growth important? Uh, if the Holy Spirit is doing all the work, then you know, can't, can't he, and yes, the Holy Spirit is a he, it's not an it, it's not a thing, it's a, it's a person of the Holy Spirit. Can't the Holy Spirit just, you know, like, do it and just make me? Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't just force himself, right? He, he opens our eyes, he, he brings things to us, he works in our lives, but, but growth is important for us to focus on. I think there's kind of two maybe specific things to think about is why is growth important? Well, one, it's hard to get something back once you've lost it. It's hard to get something back once you've lost it. I think about your keys. I spend so much stinking time looking for my keys. It's frustrating. I have a little cup right on the counter that they should go in, but for some reason, I don't put them there. And then I spend minutes, uh, sometimes I don't even find them, like just, Kay, where's your key? Kayla, where's your keys? Uh, let's just use your keys, right? Because now I've lost them, and now I have to, now they could be anywhere, uh, and so it's taking more time to find them because I've lost them. Uh, talked about gym. Think about you go to the gym for a while. It doesn't take long for you to stop losing muscle, but then it takes it even that much longer to, to, to gain it back. Or think about driving, as I said, when you get lost. It takes a lot of time and effort to figure out how to get back on track. I want to turn to uh, Luke chapter 2 and just look at a, a really practical example uh, of this idea that it's hard to it's harder to get something back once we have lost it, uh, and in Luke chapter two, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with this story. Uh, Joseph and Mary lost Jesus, y'all. How do you lose the Savior of the world? Like, can you imagine? Like, you know, we have kids, and every once in a while, Eden's pre- getting pretty mobile, and it's like, oh no, where's Eden? Uh, and you get that stomach that that sinking stomach feeling. Can you imagine? You lost Jesus, like. Oh, goodness, we lost, we lost, where, where's the find, find my Jesus app? Uh, but, like, they lost Jesus. Uh, and Luke chapter 2, 
Verse 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Verse 43, And when the feast had ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Verse 44, But supposing, or some translations say, assuming him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. I think two really important things, spiritual applications, is that is one, they assumed Jesus was with them. They assumed just because a few minutes ago Jesus was with them, he's still with them. Y'all, Jesus does not leave us, right? Uh, he doesn't go from us. But I think if we just assume because today I was dialed in spiritually that, you know, I'm probably good for a couple days. I don't need to pray. I don't need his word. The last few days have been great. We can't just assume because we're spiritually healthy today that if we don't keep our eyes fixed on God tomorrow that we're going to have that same, that same closeness to God. We must actively pursue him. So that's one thing to see in there. But also it took him a day to lose Jesus. How many days did it take him to find him? It took him three days to find him. Right, So they lost him in one, and then it took three days to find Jesus. It's harder to find something once we have lost it. So that's one reason why growth is important, is so that we're not constantly playing this roller coaster game. That's exhausting. Uh, it's not to say that you know, we, don't, we don't have some ups and downs. But spiritual roller coaster is not what God intended for us, and it's exhausting. The second reason why his growth is important uh, is Jesus expects it, and Jesus is coming. Jesus expects us to spiritually grow, and ultimately because he is coming. Uh, let's, let's flip over to 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about this idea uh, of that we should be growing, and it's an expectation lined out for us in God's word. Uh, chapter 3, verse 14. It says, therefore, belo- 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... Uh, and so these, these refer to really the whole chapter of 3. Really, Second Peter, the entire cha- uh, chapter of Second Peter is written because there were some false beliefs already kind of starting to infiltrate uh, the, the beliefs that, 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 that had been taught there, uh, specifically uh, around how to follow after Jesus. And so really the first two cha- or the chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Second Peter outline some of those specific things. So that verse 14, therefore, since you are waiting for these things, uh, those things is Jesus returning, all the things that God has promised, since you are waiting for the promises of Jesus, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. That, that word, the Greek word diligent there, literally means to make every effort. Uh, and it also implies eagerness. Uh, that it's not, he's not just saying, hey, uh, think about following Jesus. You know, eagerly make every effort to pursue, uh, to, 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 be, to pursue Jesus, to pursue this relationship, to pursue growth. And then further down uh, in verse 17 and 18, it says, Youth therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And not salvation, but lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. 
This idea is to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this idea, so why is growth important? Well, it's clear here in these couple passages we've seen, uh, but, but also in, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives, we know the teaching of the seed, right? And the, the first three seeds talk about it's choked out or it dies with this, but it's, it's the fourth seed, the seed that grew, uh, that, that fell on good ground, it says, grew and produced fruit. It grew and produced fruit. Uh, John chapter 15 uh, Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. Uh, and this is probably the clearest uh, place of where he says that we are to uh, grow in our relationship with him. So let's turn back to John chapter 15. I know I'm jumping around a little bit today. Uh, and you say, this is, none of this has been Second Thessalonians. We're getting there, I promise. Uh, but I'm trying to lay that, that foundation of this idea. Why is growth so important is what we're focusing on right now. John chapter 15, again, these are the words of Jesus John chapter 15, verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So who are those that are truly Jesus' disciples? Well, those that are bearing fruit. Those that are bearing fruit, that are growing, that that are producing something. And then further down in verse 16, he really kind of puts an exclamation point on it. And says, You did not choose me, so again, this idea that this whole, the whole idea of salvation, this whole idea of growth, it's not about us, it's about Jesus, but he says, you did not cho- choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, for what? That you should go and bear fruit, not just sometimes, not just occasional fruit, that your fruit should abide or remain, so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus is very much concerned with us growing. A lot of times I think when we've grown up in church, we think of salvation as just saying, saying, raising our hand or saying that prayer and then we're good to go. No, it's about continually growing. Kind of the, the big fancy word for this whole idea of growth is sanctification. There's salvation that happens in that moment. Then the life process is sanctification, uh, which is part of discipleship. Uh, and then ultimately until we reach heaven, when there's glorification. Those are kind of those three progressive terms when we talk about uh, kind of the soteriology or being, being saved. Salvation, sanctification, glorification. So Jesus wants us to grow. And ultimately, why does he want us to grow? Because it gives glory to God. It gives glory to God. You know, think about when your kids do something and it's something like you just taught them. It's like it brings you so much joy. Like, I just taught them that. Like, I, I, I taught them that, and they're actually, like, listening, right? Like, think how much greater it is when us, as, as God's children, when we are obeying him, he's like, wow, that's amazing. It brings joy to God when we follow after him. It glorifies our Father, and that is why we grow. Not so that people look at us, right? Matthew five sixteen. let people see our good works, so that men may see our good works. Why? To glorify our Father in heaven. So that's just a really kind of broad, uh, quick stroke of, so why is growth important? And I hope there you see, okay, I I do see the evidence for this idea of why is spiritual growth important. So then the the next kind of natural question you might ask, okay, so where do I start? If I know I need to grow, uh, where do I start? Well, that's where we come into this idea of evaluation. Uh, And when we evaluate our spiritual lives, that gives us a baseline, 
Uh, and a baseline is simply just a starting point used for comparison. Uh, and so this idea of evaluating ourselves, it's, it's personal. Uh, and maybe you're thinking, well, Jesse, is it really biblical to evaluate your spiritual growth? Doesn't God just love me for who I am, and he's patient, and he's all these things? Yes, all those things are true, but they're not mutually exclusive from this idea that he wants us to know where we're at so we know how to grow. Uh, there's a few specific passages. Again, we're not going to turn to these first three. You just want to write them down. But 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, just as his test and examine yourselves. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 is the idea we're about not judging and where he teaches, says, hey, first, take that log out of your own eye before you judge someone. So that idea is like, first, you need to be self-aware of what's going on in your own life. Uh, and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 through 29, uh, is kind of has to do with communion. We're going to end today's service with communion. Uh, and it talks about before we take communion, to examine your heart. To see if you have things against a neighbor. And it, it, it even to the point that says, stop what you're, if you examine yourself and you realize something's not right in your life, stop what you're doing and go take care of that. So this idea of, of, self, of self-reflection, of examining ourselves, uh, is clearly biblical. And then the passage that we re- will read to kind of support this idea uh, is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, kick them out of the church. I don't, does your translation say that? Mine doesn't say that. You who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. So this idea of that, it's not that, man, if we sin, I was talking to someone recently, uh, and he said, yeah, you know, I believe the Bible, I believe, I, you know, I know you got to believe in Jesus, and you got to walk that line, but if you mess up too much, you go to hell. Like those were the words he said. I said, I said well... So that's actually not what Jesus teaches. That's really not what the Bible teaches. Yes, we are called to obey his commands. Yes, he wants us to grow. But it's not like a one and done or like there's this threshold where if we sin just too many times or we commit this specific thing, then like we're gone. No, it's this idea that, hey, we need to be aware of what's going on in our lives, but also the lives of our brothers and sisters, but that we help them correct that. Uh, Going on in verse 1, keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. So it's not so much worried about others, but he's saying also here, hey, you need to be worried about yourself so that you're not dragged away into some of these same things. Verse 2 speaks to this idea that we're not called to be perfect. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is that law of Christ? To love one another. When we bear with each other's weaknesses. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something, then he is nothing and he deceives himself. That goes back to that quote that I read at the beginning. It goes back to that idea of if you think you don't have anything in your eye and you've got this like log sticking out of your eye, like everyone else can see it. But your pride, your complacency, your, your refusal to hear advice from, and wisdom from other people means that it says you're just deceiving yourself. Verse 4, But let each of you test his own work, or examine yourself, and then, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Verse 6, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So again, just this idea of, you know, is, is, it, is it biblical 
to examine ourselves, to, 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 to evaluate ourselves, absolutely. Now, the point of this is not, again, so that we say, man, look how good I'm doing. It's, man, this is where I need to grow. This is what God is doing in my life. May, I can teach someone else some of these things. So it's this idea, there's all these things, but it is absolutely a clearly biblical idea for us to examine and evaluate ourselves. So again, kind of building this, so, so why do we need to grow? Okay, and so how do we start growing? We need that baseline. So how do we get that baseline? We evaluate ourselves. Is it biblical to evaluate ourselves? I think we've just seen pretty clearly there, absolutely. So kind of then that next step is, so how then do I evaluate my spiritual growth? How then do I evaluate my spiritual growth? We can go into lots of, read, there's probably lots of books on this idea, but I think there's just two things Uh, two ways that are the most practical, uh, tangible ways for us to evaluate our spiritual growth. One is with someone else. Do it with someone else. I'm not saying compare your life to someone else. I think comparison is one of the biggest tools of the enemy. Uh, Man, I'm not as spiritual as that person. Look at Facebook. My life's not as great as that person. My kids aren't as smart as those kids. Comparison, I believe, is, is just one of the, the biggest tools of the enemy. So this, I'm not saying pull someone and say, oh, I want to be like them. No, we're talking about accountability. We need to walk with someone. From the very beginning, it was not good for man to be alone. That's why God created Eve. Because it's not good, one, it's not good for man to be by himself. He needs a woman to smack him upside the head sometimes. But it's that idea that like, we, need to, we need each other. We need to walk through life together. Uh, two Proverbs that talk about this. Proverbs 12, 15. says, The way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And you ever like just do something, you're like, why did I do that? That was stupid. Right? We do stupid things. I don't know if I can say stupid that many times from the platform, but like we need people around us to say, what are you doing? We need that in our lives. Uh, Proverbs 19, 20. says, listen to counsel. And accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. So it's not just like listening to it and then going, but then it's accepting it, applying it, so that we'll be wise. We need other people in our lives to kind of point out our blind spots, to make us aware of the things that we don't see. So how do we begin to evaluate ourselves? Someone else. And I'm not saying don't just like call some random person up. This needs to be someone that you respect, that you trust, that you're going to talk to regularly to, to be accountable to. We evaluate it. How am I doing? What do you see in my life? And then the second, and this is probably more important, is how do we evaluate our spiritual growth? With God. With God. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways are pure in his own eyes. And I can talk myself into things pretty quickly. Like, man, that, yeah, that, that, that's, that looks good, Jesse. But his motives are weighed out by the Lord. So when we make decisions, are we including God in those decisions? Or do we just do it and then afterwards ask God to bless it? Or afterwards, and then we're in, like a, we're in a heap of trouble and we say, God, man, why didn't you protect me? Well, I was trying to, but you didn't want to listen. You didn't come to me, right? Again, I've spent some time, I've done some things, and I've said to Kay, I'm like, man, why didn't you say something? She's like, I tried, but you didn't want to listen to me, right? And so it's that same idea, like, are we going to God? So how, how do we evaluate ourselves with others and with God? And so then even breaking that idea of, because that abstract, like, okay, I need to go to God uh, to evaluate myself. Jesse, how do I do that? I think two specific ways. Uh, the first is in prayer. 
Uh, let's flip back to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And start with that. You want to start evaluating yourself? This afternoon, just get some, put the phone away, just pray that, pray that scripture back to him. Pray that scripture back to him. And then just listen. Just sit and listen. Be with God. Allow him to point things out to you. Pray his word back to him. The second idea of how do we, how do we evaluate ourselves with God, so in prayer, but also in his word. And that might be, I know sometimes you think, well, Jesse, so I'm sitting there praying. Am I supposed to just like hear this loud voice of God? I've never heard the audible voice of God, but we know the Holy Spirit prompts us. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us. But maybe you're, you're just not getting anything. You're like, well, then go to God's Word. Look in His Word. Because 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 pretty much tells us that God's Word is good for everything. Okay? It says all Scripture. So how much is Scripture? All Scripture. Not just the Psalms, not the Proverbs, not the ones that make us feel good, not the ones that we understand. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Go to God's Word. And I want to just emphasize this idea of God's Word now, if you call yourselves a Christian, one that word Christian means that you're saying I'm Christ-like. If you say you were a follower of God, but then you say, yeah, but I don't know about the Bible, there's an incompatibility there. If you are a follower of Christ, God's word must be the final and only authority in your life. It's not optional. You say, well, Jesse, that's kind of limiting. I didn't come up with the rules, Okay. God's Word is, and I, I'm just shocked how many times there are believers that say, yeah, I'm a believer of Christ. All right, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. What do you about, believe about this? You know, there, a, a, a poll just came out recently by a very respectable research organization that said over half of people that identify themselves as Christians, okay, so it's self-identifying as Christians, don't truly believe that the Holy Spirit is a person of God. They just believe that the Holy Spirit is a representation of God. That's mind-boggling to me. You cannot believe in the Word of God and not fully understand in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you fully understand it, or you can fully explain it, and we can't, right? That's kind of the thing. That's why he's God, we're not. But we cannot look to other things. If, if we are trying to make a decision, and God's Word says this, and, and a friend or a magazine or another thing says this, and we do this, then we're denying the absolute truth, the authority of God's Word in our life. Again, that doesn't, you do that one time, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I'm saying if, if you don't look to God's word as that final authority, that's not in keeping with what a follower of Christ does. God's word must be our ultimate and final authority as a follower of Christ. 
And so this idea of, so how do I evaluate my spiritual growth and this, this thinking of with God and in the Word? And that's where, you guys ready to get to 2 Thessalonians? And we're wrapping up, I promise. I, can't, I cannot read that clock back there, so I have no clue what time it is. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm promised I'm, I'm wrapping up. Hopefully it's not 1 o'clock yet. Uh, but, but this idea of, so, so what does it mean then to use God's Word to spiritually evaluate our lives? And that's really where I ended, that's where I came up with this, or God gave me this, this message for today, is because as I was reading 2 Thessalonians, I felt just convicted saying, Jesse, if, if Paul was writing this letter to you, could he say the same thing? And that's where in chapter 1, it says this, he starts off, uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Uh, he's writing this to the church of the Thessalonians. In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, first, what, what Paul is doing, the one he's identifying himself, but then he's saying, hey, everything that I'm about to say stems from who God is. He's making clear that my authority rests not in me, but in God. And I'm imparting this on you. And then he goes on in verse 3. And we're just going to look at these first few verses here. He says, We ought also to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly. The love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Verse 4, Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecution and the inflictions afflictions that you are enduring. I think there's four things right in there that, again, if we just, you know, reading God's word is not about just, man, did I read my chapter today? Okay, good. Like, if we're simply just reading God's word for a chore, for a task, to, to be able to get that check mark on version app so then we can share it with our friends, I completed this, this, this study plan, we're completely missing the point. There's lots of people at many secular universities that know the Bible way better than I do and have no absence of the Holy Spirit in them. And they would say that, I'm not a Christian, I'm an atheist. But they know God's Word. It's not just about spending time in God's Word, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to use it to work in your life. And so as we read God's Word, are we, are we digesting and are we saying, man, this verse just said this, and it, it brought out these three things. How am I doing in that? What is, what is God saying in here? What is the author saying in this? And so as I was reading, just saw those four things. And like I said, I was like, man, am I, is my faith growing abundantly? Is my love for one another, for others, increasing? Do I have steadfast faith amidst persecution? Am I enduring through afflictions? You know, it's New Year, and a lot of times we like to focus on the, the next year, but if you want to say, like, I'm a follower of Christ, just stop for a second. Use this passage this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning. Say, man, back from January 1st, 2021, if you can remember that back, to December 31st, how did I grow in faith abundantly? How did I love others? How was my steadfast faith? And use God's word to, to know, hey, am I growing to be more like him? This idea, okay, well, what, what does that mean? How, how do I know if, I'm, if my faith is growing abundantly? That, for, for me, as I was walking through this, I'm like, man, do I worry less? I think as our faith increases, our worry decreases. 
doesn't mean our problems go away or that we don't still at times have, have, these, have this worry. But as my faith, and that idea of faith here, faith can mean kind of multiple things. One, it can mean belief in God. But this idea here, uh, that their faith growing, that like my trust, my dependence on God, if my trust and dependence are growing on God, then I'm going to, why, why should I worry? Jesus says that. But don't worry about these things. You think David was worried about Goliath? He probably had some butterflies in his stomach. We don't read everything. But, but God had prepared him for that. He had, he had already done so many things. He had killed a bear. He had killed a lion. Those things grew his faith so that when he was standing there before Goliath, he said, I don't need these worldly things to protect me. I'm going to fight him with God, and that's all I need. That's what growing faith looks like. That's what growing faith looks like. Is my, do I worry less today than I did a year ago, a week ago? This idea of, am I growing in love for one another? This, this idea, uh, it, it's not just saying this isn't just like touchy-feely love. This is the, 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 the Greek word here is agape. And so this idea of sacrificial love. I'm working through a, a Bible study right now. Uh, it's called being a soul provider. idea of what it means to be the spiritual leader of your home. And the first few chapters really just talk about that idea Look, being, a, being a, a spiritual leader, being the, the male of a relationship is not about lording over. In fact, he, he recounts talking about uh, one of the premarital counseling sessions and the, 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 two, the, hus- the soon-to-be husband and wife are kind of going back and forth. And the husband finally says, hey, so who's right here? And he just looks at me and says, man, that's the wrong question. It's who's serving who. And that's that idea. That's what sacrificial love as a follower of Christ is. Loving one another in a sacrificial way. Am I sacrificing today for others more than I was a year ago? Steadfastness and faith in persecution. Uh, this book w- w- uh, talks about this idea that these, of, of steadfastness in faith and in endurance. There's kind of a passive and an active. That idea of, pa- of patience is kind of passive. Like I, I'm just going to let this ride it out and trust in God. And then this endurance and infliction—endurance and inflictions—is not acting out in an ungodly way. I know that those terms persecution and affliction can mean lots of things. Uh, we don't face persecution today here in the United States, like Paul is writing about here. We don't face persecution like much of the world faces. We might we might have some. Could make an argument. Some freedoms are, are you know, we don't, we don't have some of the freedoms that we want. That's not persecution. We are not persecuted as followers of Christ, or as followers of Jesus, in that sense of persecution. But that's not the only type of persecution. There are, the ways of the world are always going to bear down on Christ's followers. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us. Like Jesus told us that. In fact, the rest of this chapter, this whole, this whole uh, second letter, is written because these opposing views are coming in, and it's talking about don't don't give in to these other ways. Like so, that is a form of persecution. But then it goes on to say uh, that that but persecution and afflictions are evidence that you are a follower of God. In Romans, it says that if you don't endure some of these things, you're like an illegitimate child. God disciplines us; He makes us disciplined, and so this idea of 
you know, am I, am I being steadfast? Am I enduring through some of these, these challenges that I'm walking through? Or do I let everybody know about how miserable I am? Do I let social media know how terrible X, Y, and Z is? Or do I pray for that situation? Do I pray for that person? Take God's word and allow, pray, start praying. Anytime we read God's word, start in prayer. Say, God, just allow me to know what you're saying. Read his word and don't just skim through it. Process it. Am I growing? And then all of this is really for one specific reason. Verse 11 says, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that in the name of our Lord Jesus uh, may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of this is about God. It's not about us. It's to give glory back to God. That's why we need to be growing. And so the, the last question that we're, that we're finishing with is this idea. Okay, so then how do I specifically grow? How do I specifically grow? Because living for Jesus is not about knowing how we ought to live, but it's about living how we ought to. It's not, we don't get legalistic with that, but it's not just about knowing what to do, but it's actually doing it. So Jesse, that sounds pretty, pretty simple. Well, there, there's, there's a passage that says, yeah, it pretty is that simple. Let's, let's flip back and we're ending with this. Colossians uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 9. It says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So how do we grow in our walk with God? So, so how do we evaluate ourselves? Kind of said two specific ways. Through with someone and with God, and then with God through prayer and God's word. So then how do we grow? Well, having that person to walk through, and then with God. And then specifically with God, how do we grow? Through prayer. Uh, and it specifically says this. And so I'd encourage you to start here. If you may, what does it mean to pray scripture? Start here. One, pray this passage over someone else. But say, God, I pray and ask that I will be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that I may walk in a, manny, in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. God, I pray that I would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. That I would give thanks to you, Father, that you have qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God, I know you have delivered me from the darkness and transferred me to the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom I have redemption and the forgiveness for my sins. Jesse, is it wrong to, to, to put yourself in there? No, it's God's word. He wants us to pray his word over us because it's true. God's word is true. And so how do we 
How do we grow? And, and you say, well, how do I pray? How do I know? I don't hear these voices. Do what we just did there. Pray God's word over your life. So through prayer is how we grow spiritually. But then also just through his word. I think sometimes we make it so complicated. And do I fully understand God's word? Absolutely not. There's lots of questions. I think sometimes the more I study it, the more I like, Ooh, what does this mean? Ooh, what does this mean? Ooh, what does this mean? Right? But all of that points us deeper into God being God and us not. But so many times we're like, well, if I could explain this, or I don't know about this. Well, what if we just applied Colossians chapter 2, starting verse 6? It says, therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Just walk in it. Walk in what you do understand. Don't, don't come up with all the excuses of what you don't know. There's a lot of very clear passages. Just do those. It says just walk in Him. Rooted and built, it up, built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive in philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. So this idea, just thinking, don't, don't get so wrapped up in all these other things. Just walk in what we know, what we understand. Well, Jesse, that that sounds fairly easy. Well, it gets easier. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. What are we seeking? Are we seeking after God's Word? Just seek after it. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are earth. What are you thinking about? Are we thinking about God's word or are we thinking about earthly things? It's like it's, it, it, we, we make it so, I make it so complicated, but it's so simple here. Just walk in it. Just think about things of God's word. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So again, just this idea that it's all about God. Why are we growing? To be more like him so that when he returns, Jesus is coming back. That is truth. That he will be glorified through the way that we live our lives. That's what spiritual growth is all about. It's not about just coming to church. It's not about just saying, hey, I did my quiet time today and making sure I let everybody on Instagram know about it. It's can everybody else see God working in my life? And I would say this evaluate, yes, I saw, hey, let's look back at the last year. But this idea of evaluating needs to be a daily thing. How did I live surrendered to Christ today? Pick the passage maybe that you read that morning. Pick one verse. Say, I'm going to focus on this today. How did I do it this today? That's what it means to grow. That's what it means to be rooted and built up in God's word. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for who you are. God, we just know that you are great. Lord, we know that, that we, we make things complicated so many times. So we ask for forgiveness for that. Lord, I just pray that we would just do what we know and not come up with a million excuses of why we can't. Lord, I pray that, God, that, that our church, that we, we would be known here in the kill, but also we, many of us live all over the coast that we would be known not even for our church, but for you, our identity in you. 
And through that, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified. God, because we know this is not about us. You didn't choose us because we were good enough. In fact, your word tells us you chose us when we were far and far from you and separated from you, but you loved us that much. So I pray we would, we would live those things that we claim. God, that we would just begin today saying, where am I at? How can I grow? And what am I going to do today? So God, we just love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your patience with us. Lord, I just pray for anyone that's here this morning that, uh, God, they, they don't have a relationship with you, but there's something stirring inside them. That something is, is, is not just some feeling. It's your Holy Spirit drawing them, pulling them. But I pray that they would not walk out these doors today without just going to talk to somebody. Saying, hey, I, I want to know more. Because for all of us, we need to start where we are today and allow you to shape us and mold us into who you want us to be tomorrow and for age to come. God, we love you. Praise your name.